Holly Benner. Wow, what a great story. What a what a great story. Uh, interesting background where she had a lot of abusive trauma as a, as a kid, as a child. Um, you, you'll learn more about it now, but there's a terrible situation there, self-harm and and things like that, but always an athlete. And uh, she she rebounded from it. Uh, she was a collegiate athlete. Uh, she became a professional triathlete. And she uses all that experience, all her, you know, her tragedy that shaped her and all her athletic background to be a fantastic performance coach, not just in with athletes, but also with executives. She has a very, very unique approach uh, where uh, she, she talks about being, you know, having, achieving sustainable performance. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. We have a lot in common, uh, with, 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 you know, with athletic, with, with athleticism and some of our, hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Holly Benner, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you, thank you so much for doing this and uh, appreciate your time. How do you help others achieve sustainable performance? Well, it first starts with helping them define what performance looks like for them. What mm. does success look like for them? You know, all of us want different things. All of our goals are different and they're just as meaningful, even if they're different. So clarifying what that goal is, what that dream outcome is, what that experience is, is key to understand in order to then create parameters, exercises, stretch opportunities in order to grow into that goal in a healthy, sustainable way. Because yeah, oftentimes if you ask people what, you know, what, what success looks like. I mean, they're going to say something ambiguous and you got to keep drilling and you got to keep drilling and we you know why, why, why. Right. And that, that can be quite lengthy. That can be a lengthy endeavor because a lot of people don't know. And so you're kind of discovering with them. Yes. Discovery is a big part of it. I'm really walking a journey of insight and of insights and discovery to really drill down. Like you said, asking those why questions to really examine the origin where are these assumptions or these expectations coming from? Are they coming from you 
or are they coming from something outside of yourself? Mm. Are they expectations from your past that are no longer relevant? And how are they serving you today? So, I mean, that's, it, it's not easy. Um, it can be fun. And it's definitely key to fulfillment, to hmm. success. And are you working with businesses and consumers? Yes, I am. So I consult with businesses and I also work one-on-one -on -one with individuals and executives, emerging leaders, women in leadership positions. So it's really a little bit of a balance between the two directly with organizations and then one-on-one. -on -one. And what is the perfect candidate for you? The perfect candidate for me is somebody who's feeling stuck, somebody mm. who needs a change and maybe they know that where they are isn't where they, they're meant to be. And maybe they don't know where that next step is, but they know they've got to change. So they're stuck and they're needing change. They've maybe tried other systems or other modalities in the past and it didn't work or it didn't last. Those are the people that tend to work best with me. You know, it, because I've been there and we all have and you just don't know where to go. What the heck do you search in Google for that? You know, uh, and it's a, it's a tough, to, it's a tough place to be. And also it could be a bit, um, vulnerable, right. To, to say you're this way and to ask for help in this because it's not very traditional. Ooh, yes. And that's a great point that I like to bring up with my clients and that I like to speak about. And, you know, you'll never find an answer for yourself in Google because you have the answer mm. and working with somebody else helps you bring about your own answer. You'll never find it outside of yourself. And that's amazing, right? It can be frustrating because you kind of just want that quick answer. But at the same time, there can be a lot of reward and excitement with in knowing that you have all the answers you need inside you. You just need to bring them to the surface. You know everything you need. You have all the capabilities and the tools already inside of you. I believe that 100% that every person is whole, is complete, and is doing their very best in the moment every day. And something, you know, we've talked about athletics um, right before we got formally started here. And one of the things I love to share with my clients is about compete. And we think that compete is about who's going to win, who's going to come out on top. But compete is Latin for competir, which means to strive together. We literally need each other to become the best versions of ourselves. So when we look at it like that, asking for help isn't a deficit. It's not because you can't. It's because you actually perform better when you work with somebody else. You become the best version of yourself when you strive together with someone else right next to you. Mm. Game changer. Yeah, that, that is a game changer there because there's accountability there. There's partnership, there's camaraderie, there's teamwork. Yes. Yes. We need each other to see what we're capable of. You have an incredible story, uh, Holly. There's abusive traumatic childhood. There's some self abuse there. I mean, it's, a, you're, 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 uh, you're inspirational uh, of where you were and where you, and, and where you are now. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Sure. Yeah. You know, life is hard and um, just kind of the flyby. Uh, my life was no exception. Uh, 
growing up, I lived in a very abusive household full of neglect, um, full of trauma. And then, you know, I experienced kind of significant loss um, through what I kind of internalized as rejection at the time. My boyfriend at the time committed suicide. About three months later, his mother also committed suicide. My parents ended up um, signing me over to state custody because they weren't really sure what to do with me. So I was a straight A student and picked up by two state troopers, shackled and handcuffed and taken to a state hospital. Um, so I felt so alone. So at what age? 16. Felt very alone, felt very isolated, felt very neglected. Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't see a way that life was anything other than those emotions at that time. And through the guidance of some amazing female mentors, many teachers that I had along my path, And honestly, through cultivating a love of sport, I was able to always have a recollection of a sense of who I was, a sense of my ability, that there was a little bit of hope there to kind of just just keep showing up. And by just showing up one day and then another day and then another day, I was able to, to survive, frankly, and to make it through and to see kind of a path for myself. And um you know, that's not to say that life was perfect after that. I definitely had a lot of deep rooted stories that I told myself that I thought were my identity and they weren't. They were my inner critic. They were my saboteurs that were telling me this is the way my life was meant to be. So a lot of work, a lot of therapy um, to really uncover my own story, rewrite my narrative mm. and then create a story that I wanted to live and not easy. Um, and to be frank, it's a practice, right? It's a choice to, to continuously write a story that you're excited about and to live it and to own it. So I'm very thankful now um, through enough sets and reps, if you will, in the mind gem, I've been able to cultivate a strength in my mentality and my mindset to that that's benefited me now. And now I have much more awareness. Now I have much more ability to be able to turn up the volume on my inner sage, on my true self and turn down the volume on my saboteurs, on my inner critic when they're not serving me. Um, and it is, it is an intentional practice on a daily basis. I like what you said about, you know, sport. I mean, were you, you were always an athlete. Always. So I always say this to, you know, to, to, to parents, just, just get your kids involved with sport. It doesn't matter which one. It's just the teamwork. You, you know, there'd be a commonality there and, uh, of sport and even better different sports, by the way, you know, you know, mm-hmm. get them so many different, but it was that thread, that kind of competition, that teamwork that, that, that you use to kind of keep you go going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's really like my moving meditation. Um, being active for me is an instant flow state. And flow state for me is that gateway to knowing who I am, to seeing myself. Uh, It's high creativity for me. It's my creative time when I'm on my feet. So, and that, that's different for everybody, right? For some people it's art, for some people it's cooking, for some people it's working on their car. For me, it's, it's being in motion. And that's how I'm able to almost zoom out from all of my life circumstances 
and just be present in a moment that is so impactful and um, energizing and clarifying. So it really helps me be the best version of me. Before we we got on, you mentioned that you woke up and ran 15 miles. And I got to assume you experienced that runner's high. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's flow state. Mm. You know, to me, that is getting a chance to check in with me. It's, you know, it can be 20 minutes a day. It can be an hour and 20 minutes a day. But I think it's pretty critical for us humans walking around, especially in modern society, to take a few minutes to zoom out and check in with ourselves uh, in a very intimate, personal way to see what's going on. How are we feeling today? What's on our minds? How is our body feeling? And to literally breathe through it. We're meant to Mm. move. Um, It's very, to me, it feels very biological. It feels just like something that, you know, I wish everybody could tap into, truly. Mm. Yeah, the, the, after a great workout, you know, on the way to the workout, you're, 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 there's self-doubt for me anyway. And during the workout, it could be very tough. But the moment that war- ends, mm-hmm. you, your body rewards you so well. You could just, it's what it, it's what it wanted. It's what it needed. And, uh, it's so, um, it's so rewarding and invigorating. And it's, you also talked about the inner critic inside you. That's, that's fascinating to me. So you, you, you constantly, and so to this day, I would assume just have this inner critic. You're, you're doing your best to silence it. How, do, how is that manifested? How do you, what mechanism do you, do you use to silence that? Yeah, the first thing is recognizing it. It's like, whoa, who is this calling the shots right now? Mm. Whose story is this? Is this my story? Is this my inner critic story? And, you know, a friend of mine actually coined this term or introduced it to me called the shitty committee. And I definitely have a strong shitty committee because there's not just one on the committee. There's many. Right. Uh, So, you know, if one person says, hey, you know, like you really messed that up. Somebody else is going to say, like, remember that other time you messed that other thing up? Somebody else is going to say, yeah, you should probably just stop trying because you fail at everything. It's a whole committee, a whole shitty committee, that inner critic. And we can all relate to that story. Right. We've all been there. We don't. No human with the brain escapes this, but it's recognizing it in the moment and being like, whoa, is this serving me? Probably not. Where is this coming from? Let me observe this. What could serve me better? And so again, it's a very intentional choice and it sounds easy and it is not, which is why it's a daily practice. And I believe in cultivating a wise sense of self and inner stage so much that that's the namesake of my company. Meta, Meta, two T's, M-E-T-T-A, is Buddhist for loving kindness. I believe that by cultivating a sense of loving kindness for ourselves, we can then share that with others. And once we can really transform and adopt a sense of loving kindness for ourselves, our worlds change, our communities change, our relationships change. It's radical. You know, I, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm an athlete uh, as well, and you know, oftentimes I'm, I play. You know, I'm, I'm partners with somebody in a team, and it's it's fascinating how different people are motivated, and I know people who kind of 
deal with this loud kind of shitty committee and you could, and I could just <laughs> sense it, you know, and I, but there are some people who, you know, you don't say anything, but there are some people who say, man, that's a tough shot. I don't think you're going to make that. And that they use that as that helps them, right? That helps them because they're going to fight against it harder. There's others. If you say that they'll, they'll just kind of, it doesn't really do anything. And it's, it's fascinating how, those mechanisms are so different for, for each of us. Some are louder than others, but it's there. And for what you, what you said is you got to first have to recognize it. That's so important, Holly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would actually challenge those individuals that, that assume that their critic gives them their competitive edge. They could, they might be able to be even more competitive and enjoy it, have, have better performance outcomes if they flipped the script wow. and tapped into their sage, it's the inner critic that's telling you, you need me to succeed. Talk it's about the sage. committee that tells you without me, you're nothing. Mm. Before you ran this morning, did you hear the shitty committee say you can't run today? You won't be able to do it. Sure. Yeah. Even like during the first couple of miles as I was warming up, listen, you know, it's, it's motivation is fleeting. It's all about discipline, right? Showing up. Oh. And I committed to quieting, turning down the, the knob on that volume and just <laughs> showing up. Right. I had a backup plan. Well, let me get started. If in 20 minutes I feel terrible, I'm going to honor my body and I'll make that decision. Then I'm not 20 minutes in. Let me get to 20 minutes in. At 20 minutes in, honestly, still not feeling that great, mm. but better than when I started. So let me commit to another 20 minutes and see. It's just about staying present, you know? And I was like, I had bl blocked off time in my calendar. This was the time I was going to spend for me, regardless of how far I actually went. And so I'm just committing to showing up in little chunks. I can't think about all 15 miles. I don't have to. I'm going to think about one or two miles at a time focus there, check in, check in again, check in again. And before you know it, I was back home. Amazing. Talk to me about you, you, you're using this term tap into sage. Talk to me about that, what that means. Yeah, I've actually just, um, I'm almost complete with a seven week program called positive intelligence. And it's been a beautiful program. And through that program, I've really learned to identify the saboteurs and my sage and your sage is your true self your wise inner guide it mm. is that loving kindness that kind loving soul and entity we all have i think that it's so hard to hear our sage we think that we're so accustomed to being tuned in to the frequency of our inner critic that's what we hear first. That's what we recognize. Mm. We can almost drown out anything positive because that inner critic comes through loud and clear. But that sage is there and it's always been there. It's there when you're a small child and you can run around barefoot and, you know, without a care in the world of what other people may be thinking of you. That sage, that true inner guide is still there. We just have to cultivate it. We have to strengthen it through sets and reps. We have to give it a microphone sometimes. We have to pay attention to how that voice sounds. And we have to start shifting that frequency from paying attention to our inner critic and starting to pay attention to that sage because they're there too. Hmm. 
I mean, you know, the old, I don't, I don't know if it's biblical or not, but you have, you know, you have the Satan and the angel on the, on the shoulders, right? And I mean, is that similar? Um, I don't know if this, if this is like a religious context, right? but we all have these two sides, this dichotomy, this dialectic, mm. even if you want within us and therein lies the choice, right? And once we recognize that we have choice, that's power. Mm. That's also mindfulness. Again, if you're recognizing where I am, where am I in this moment? Who's speaking to me? Is this my inner critic? Is this my shitty committee? Is this my, my inner child? Is this my sage? Is this my true inner self? Is this my wise mind? You stop, you pause, identify, and then you choose. Who do you want to react to? Who do you want to listen to? Mm. Who, what do you want to dial up the volume of? What do you want to dial down the volume of? Most of us just react, right? It's just impulse. We just do. Mm. But taking that pause, that's mindfulness. That's choice. That's awareness. That's a superpower. Mm. That's one of the ways that we can show up in life and reduce our suffering. Show up in a way that stays true to our authentic self live in a way that brings us the most fulfillment and joy. It's not to say it's easy. It's not going to say it's pain-free. But when we are clear with our actions and our decisions, we're much more likely to live a life that means a lot more to us. Mm. Well, well said, Holly. You, you used the term a couple of times, like you're using athletic kind of uh, terms, you know, sets and reps, you know, and mm -hmm. for those, for those who uh, are, don't have that background, is it hard to coach them? Is it hard to make those analogies? No, honestly, it's not. I mean, so many people can identify with picking up a five pound dumbbell mm. and maybe it's kind of heavy at first, but you do it enough and all of a sudden it doesn't, doesn't feel like anything. You got to upgrade to the 10 pound. Our mind is a mental muscle. It's no different. It reacts beautifully to the stimulus that we subject it to. Well, certainly. And, you know, with, with what we're discussing, we have to bring up mental health. Just it, it's better. Not, well, it's getting better and that more people are talking about it, but it's still not enough. Um, mm -hmm. How does that factor into what you do? Man, I mean, I would say it's it's everything. Um, again, with Meta, with that loving kindness approach, you know, I, I work with athletes, but I work with high performing executives and emerging leaders and people expect a lot out of themselves. Again, like living life is hard. Mm. We are subject to a barrage in social media, um, expectations, beliefs, assumptions, challenges. Uh, relationships, all the things. <clears throat> and uh, no one gets out, you know, no one gets out without a little bit of struggle and a little bit of challenge. Mm. And being able to see challenges as opportunities, as gifts, as learning experiences, and walking with somebody to, to really cultivate a mind, body, soul approach Let's get them physically fit. Let's work on the, the, um, the lowest hanging fruit, so to speak. Let's work on the basics. Nail the basics. Are you sleeping? Mm. Are you adequately hydrated? 
Are you getting the right nutrition? Because if those things, if the basics aren't getting nailed, mm. mental health, probably not going to show up. Wow. So let's look at the whole person. How are they behaving? How are they treating themselves? What's their environment like? How can we start to incorporate meaningful movement, exercise? Maybe it's a 5K. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just walking around a park a couple times a week. And then how can we start to add in goals, meaningful experiences? Where are you in your career? Whatever that goal is, again, whatever successes, performance is by for that individual, then how can we start to lean into that? But we have to have the basics nailed. We have to start to take care of our bodies um, and provide them what they need. And, you know, these modalities, training, exercise, talk, working with the coach, they're therapeutic. It is not therapy. I'm very clear mm. on that. What I do might be therapeutic for somebody, but it is not a replacement for therapy. But it is essential to start nailing the basics, having simple habits as a part of your routine to support mental health. Yeah, yeah. Very, again, very well said, Holly. You've, you've achieved a lot of success as a triathlete. Your, um, your, your road to get there and you know to tackle those three events takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of quelling of these the shitty committee, doesn't it? And <laughs> um, do, so do you, for your practice to get there, do you, is this a part of what you do now to train others? Yeah, it's a big part of it. Absolutely. Um, it's that lived experience of my own struggles, of my own inner critic, what's worked for me, what has not worked for me, the kind of support that I felt like I always wanted and maybe didn't have. Mm. And to walk with somebody on their goal as a guide, as a coach, to help them achieve goals and experiences that are meaningful for them. I believe I was born to be a coach. And I know that sounds extreme, but I take it that seriously. Nothing gives me more satisfaction in this life than helping somebody else recognize their potential. Mm. And not only recognize it, but achieve it. You know, it's said that, you know, you can't love someone until you love yourself. It seems to me, Holly, that you coached yourself you're good at it, and now you want to coach others. Yeah. I mean, I make no mistake. I had I had trainers along the way. Of course. Um, and I've had lots of influential people that have helped shape my ideology, if you will. But absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like if I can impart any bit of knowledge, wisdom, expertise, to somebody else so that they can achieve a lifetime memory, a, you know, personal experience so that they can get a window into what they're capable of. then I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Mm. And, and why go into the tri Why become a triathlete? Why that specifically? Well, I mean, you know, the simple answer is I grew up swimming. I swim at NCAA. Um, I went to Clemson University for graduate school in industrial organizational psychology, ended up rowing. Um, there I had a semester of uh, redshirt eligibility, so I was a walk-on to the women's NCAA team. Um, then I got uh, invited to a few Olympic development training camps for rowing, ended up 
switching from a PhD to a master's, moved to Philadelphia to try to make the 2012 Olympic team. Wow. Didn't happen. Um, but my friends were like, hey, rowers make great cyclists. You have a background in swimming. You should probably try a triathlon. Triathlon is something I could do on my own. Um, being a rower, very tied to location, very tied to a team. Um, I was you know, still passionate about growing my career. So triathlon fit the bill. I could kind of reinvent a new athletic identity for myself. I could manage mm. my career at the same time. So it seemed like a good fit. So I just had to, you know, tolerate the running, yeah. teach myself how to run and, um, f- and figure it out. And I enjoyed competing um, as a professional triathlete for five years. I did retire a couple years ago when I was 38. And um, it's, it's still so fortunate that I still love sport. It looks different for me now, mm. but um, I'm a lifelong competitor. I'm a lifelong athlete. This is just something that um, be, meaning sport, meaning being engaged in sport, moving my body is something that quintessentially helps me show up and be the best version of me. You know, it's fascinating. Yeah, you went from rowing. I love to row personally. And yeah, to the, <laughs> to the bike, that's, that's, yeah, I guess that is a pretty good, that, that's pretty good transition, isn't it? Yeah. The problem for the bike always for me is that, you know, Holly, it's six, eight hours. It takes, it just takes so long. It's yes. just, uh, it just takes so long. And, you know, the, your whole day is spent on, uh, on the bike. And then, you know, if you get a flat tire on these kinds of things, there's always things out of your control, but mm-hmm. we were talking before. So I, I, I was taught to swim. I got trained. I loved it. I'm not fast, but I could swim mm-hmm. all day. And then I, I like the bike and I tolerate the run, but you, mm-hmm. it was similar to you and you made, you made that transition. Have you ever done like one of the, the Ironmans? I have. Yes. I, I did one as a um, age grouper, actually my very first Ironman, I qualified for Kona. And then wow. I did one as a professional. So for everybody, it's 1.4 swim, 2.4, 2.4 swim, a hundred plus bike 112. miles, 112, and then a full marathon. Yes. 26.2 as fast as you can, as fast as you can. And transition between each event is huge. There's a whole process there and uh, of drying off and making sure there's no sand in your, in your, and getting on the bike. And, uh, oh, wow. And uh, what, what, I know it's impossible to describe, but what was that like in Kona? Uh, you know, honestly, why I love racing the 70.3 distance is because the full Ironman distance to me felt like the best exerciser on the day. Wow. I never truly got a race experience in the full Ironman. Um, the 70.3 distance, the half Ironman. However, yes. I've been shoulder to shoulder running down the finishing chute with people. And wow. that's fun. Like after four hours of racing to be neck, literally neck and neck. Like that lights me up. That's fun. I like racing. Um, some of my girlfriends that are, you know, in the sport that I've met who are amazing people, they love the Ironman distance. So it's great that we have two disciplines, two modalities in this, Mm. in this sport. Um, but you know, Ironman, it is, it is challenging. It's a big time commitment for sure. Um, and any athlete that I train for a full Ironman, is definitely like a heart to heart talk. Like, Mm. Hey, this is what you need to expect your life to become at least for a 
finite period of time right? Um, and making sure that they're in it. But hey, you know, if some people love that, that ultra distance, um, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. You know, I, I mentioned before, I've just, I've done five triathlons, but they were Olympic. So that's a, a sixth of that, or maybe even an eighth. I'm not sure. But, you know, I, in the water, you know, you'd get kicked. I mean, not purposely, it's just, there's a bunch of mm-hmm. people going out and, and it mm-hmm. just happens and you got to go around these buoys and, mm-hmm. um, it's, 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 it is invigorating. My goal was to finish, not really to, to, yeah. to, but it's just, it's, it's so, uh, it's so exciting to do. And then you, how long after, were you coaching while you were training for that? I was, yeah. I've been coaching athletes for over 12 years now. Wow. So, um, definitely it's always been something that is, I've just grown into very organically, very naturally, all word of mouth. Um, which is a huge compliment. And I think something that has allowed me to scale at a speed that has allowed me to provide the service that I've really mm. wanted to provide to my athletes and my clients. Most of them have been working with me for over five years. Wow. So um, it's a beautiful relationship that I have with the clients that I work with. I'm very thankful to them and um, absolutely love it. But to kind of throw the questions back at you, um, Joe, what's one thing that you learned about yourself by finishing a triathlon? Well, um, uh, so I guess it leads to my next question. So, I mean, I started, my, I'm a little bit older than you, Holly, and I started my business in the nineties and I wasn't paying attention to myself. You mentioned before about when you're coaching, you, you know, to, to take a walk around the block, to get yourself physically. And I've always been an athlete. My whole, I'm a soccer player, you know, my heart is still a soccer ball and I love it to this day. I can't play it because I'll get hurt. But, uh, mm-hmm. and so I was working 14, 16 hours days, which I'm, you're very familiar with. And before you know it, I gained a lot of weight. So I was up to 340 pounds and wow. the doctor, yeah, wow. horrible. And the, the worst part about that is that you, you, your body gets used to it and you, you don't really, you don't feel, you don't feel, um, uh, blood, you don't, you don't, you don't feel that your blood pressure increasing, you know, your just body gets used to it. And, and the doctor said to me, if you don't lose the weight, you're not going to see your, your daughter graduate. Right. So that's wow. all I needed to hear. Yeah. So over the next year and a half, Holly, I spent the time and I lost 130 pounds. So people ask me how I lost the weight. Like it's some secret, like I have some magic bullet and the word is just discipline, right? I just got focused and I got disciplined people. It's, there's no, there's no magic bullet. That's it. Given your extraordinary background, Holly, and what you do, how does this, you mentioned it a couple of times in our conversation, but how does discipline play a role in your life? I mean, I would say discipline is the key to, I would say most of my success Really? I would actually say probably most of my happiness um, and discipline can get a bad word. It's not like this militarist stick, mm. um, you know, like one sided somebody is dictating my life to me. It's me understanding my brain. It's me understanding how my brain will tell me lies and manipulate me to make me miserable. Wow. When I'm able to give myself guidelines guide rails, discipline, parameters, boundaries, rules, right? Another word that helps me live a life that is fulfilling, that's Mm. meaningful. Again, Mm. it doesn't mean easy. 
But I mean, what's, what is easy, right? I mean, we can have an, an easy day. I can go easy on myself, but by having these guidelines, these rules, these boundaries, that is discipline. And setting those boundaries to having those guidelines is one thing. And then the discipline comes with maintaining them, with mm. upholding them. So people can say, oh, you know, I want to get up at 5 a.m. and you set your alarm. Okay, great. Step one. Step two is actually getting out of bed when the alarm goes off and not turning it off. That's discipline. So we can have systems in place that help you engage that discipline and that discipline. Sometimes I actually like to say structure sets you free. And a lot of my very creative friends are like, what? No, that restricts me. Well, maybe it looks like that, but structure allows you to put the energy in where it needs to be so that you can save your energy for everything else that matters. And that structure is analogous to discipline. Mm. That's wonderful. Yeah, I structure and discipline like you like you said in the beginning sometimes people hear discipline and they think it's kind of punitive right you yes. know and it's uh but yeah providing i don't i don't look at it that way but structure is a synonym that i hear often and it, it creates that guidance you know all too often you know obesity is a horrible major problem we have in this country right Very, overweight and obesity I, I don't know what the numbers are 75 percent, something like that and you know to drop the weight and to keep it off right we know a lot of people have lost weight and then get it right back and so it's a change of life and that structure is so important holly because you're changing your life you're not doing a temporary diet you just you're you're providing structure and here's the parameters in which I'm going to live. And people hear that and they think, well, you know, it's it's I'm losing freedom, like you said, but it's not. It's actually more freedom because now you have a way of living that's going to be more fulfilling, that you're gonna live healthier. And you I'm gonna my daughter graduated last year. You know, my daughters are healthy. I get to see these kinds of things. I I get to walk 18 holes this morning. I get to do these kinds of things. And sure I have cookies and things like that occasionally, but mm -hmm. I just don't do it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's just so simple, Holly. And you, you, you asked me before about, you know, what I, what I learned, like I did some triathlons only because exercise is a part of my life. That's it. People exercise is a part of my life. Uh, well, I don't have time to exercise. Did you have time to eat? Did you have time to shower? Did you have, I, you can't do push-ups. You can't do sit-ups. You can't do you know, you drink, you mentioned it before the three pillars, it's, you know, water, sleep, and, you know, nutrition. I mean, this, those three pillars will just keep you going. It's very, very simple. I'm not a professional, but I know it works for me because I have mm -hmm. some structure, like you said. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, I just rattled off way too long there, but I, I, mm -hmm. uh, I love what you said. And I think I answered your question to me. You did. Yes. And I mean, like, again, those pillars, right? Like a three-legged stool, you take one yeah. of them away and the stool's going to fall over. And, you know, I'm not sure if you cultivated your structure on your own, but if mm. somebody is hearing you and being like, yes, you know, like that's what you're saying is resonating with me and they don't know how to start, I would say reach out to a coach. Like, mm. again, it is not a deficit coming back to compete, like strive together. We right. need each other to become the best versions of ourselves. You don't have to do it alone. It doesn't mean you can't. 
you might actually get farther faster by working with somebody else. Mm. Work with somebody else that has expertise to help you set that structure, to keep you accountable. We all need that inertia to get started. It doesn't mean you're weak or incapable or stupid or doomed for failure. It simply means you're a human living in society. And sometimes we need to partner up in order to get our goals done and get after it and create that inertia, create that momentum, lean into discipline, set the structure and get going, gain traction. You know, as far as having a coach, Tiger Woods had a coach, still has a coach, by the way. You know, the people kind of, some think it's a sign of weakness. So I could do it myself or, you know, I need some guidance. There's nothing wrong with, you know, with, with, with reaching out. And you, you also mentioned competitiveness. Are you naturally like being athlete all your life? Are you just naturally competitive at things yourself? I mean, I think so, but it's not, again, like it's not that like winning against all odds or like a, a get at all costs. It's right. like, I love it's play for me, like mm. being competitive. It's like, again, I, I can go and do a solo time trial, but like, I would rather be with other people. So right. like, maybe I can help them run faster. They help me run faster. It's a shared experience. That's mm. what I love. Mm. I can't do that by myself. It's right. compete. It's strive together. It doesn't say strive alone. Mm. It's, it's that community. It's that doing it with someone else. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah, making those kind of solo sports like, you know, a triathlete into a team. You know, I, I mentioned I played soccer all my life, so it's naturally a team sport. Uh, so, you know, you, there, there's camaraderie there, but still doing it together with people just make that sense of community and working together makes all the difference. You're, you're, you're not alone, especially as a child because you're developing and you're not quite sure mm -hmm. what, you're, what you like and what you don't, what's cool mm -hmm. and what, what's not cool. But if you see your friends doing it with you, it, it helps. It's just, I'm just a strong advocate of just, being part of a, a team like that, even by the way, it, and if, if you, if the child's dead set against athleticism, then chess, then math, I don't know something, then yeah. I'd, I'd like to get some activity in there somehow anyway, but Oh, there's pickleball now, Holly, there's plenty yeah. of things to get a little sweat going on. Yes. Yeah. It's booming. It's all over the place. Yeah. And yeah. it's great. I've done it. It's fun as heck, you know, and I get a little sweat and I was going to say it's hard to get hurt, but I guess people are getting hurt. There's pickleball injuries a lot now, but, uh, uh, but listening to your body and, uh, and moving forward, Holly Benner, what motivates you? Oh man. What motivates me? Um, making sure that I'm helping other people live in alignment with their values mm. and find fulfillment in life. Honestly, that's what motivates me. When I started my business, uh, you know, at first the easy thing, or maybe the first thing is like, Oh, how do I want to define success? Kind of mm. come back full circle. It's like, Ooh, you know, annual revenue, like let's put a dollar amount to it. And I sat with that and I was like, you know what? That doesn't feel right. right. I want to measure success with the number of people that I positively impact. So I set a number goal for me and I want to double it every year. Mm. So if it's 40 people year one, I want to impact 80 people year two, 160 people year three. That's how I want to measure success by the number of people that I know I'm positively impacting. 
if I set myself to make sure that I accomplish that goal, the money will come. I don't want to focus on a, a financial objective. Truly, that is not what motivates me. I understand there's business operations, etc. But truly, that is not my priority. It is positively impacting people and being able to help them live with a meta mindset so that they can cultivate that loving kindness, change themselves, change the people around them, change their communities. How That's rewarding. radical change. That is radical change, and it's incredibly rewarding. Is it different uh, coaching female leaders versus male leaders? Um, gosh, I mean, there's always individual differences. I wouldn't say there's any fundamental differences, though. Mm. And just to kind of mention something about coaching really quick, um, you know, Olympians don't wait to become, don't wait to like make a national team to get a coach. Like mm. we know this as athletes, we have coaches along our development. We, we get coached to grow. We get coached to develop. And in businesses, executive coaching used to be kind of like you said, like, oh, you need a coach. Like there must mm. be something wrong with you. And it used to kind of be like that, yeah. not kind of, I think it pretty much used to be like that. Mm, mm. And now again, to recognize that we can grow maybe faster and enjoy the process. How about that? When we partner with a coach again, like why wait until you're a VP? If you want to grow in your career, if you're a manager, get a coach. They can maybe help you grow, uh, uncover your blind spots and allow you to enjoy the journey enjoy the process and stretch and grow so that you're successful when you reach that next spot, when you get that promotion and you won't slide back. Mm. So again, it's building that structure so that people can really learn about themselves. It's all for development. It's all for personal growth. Um, it's not just leadership development, you know, it's called executive coaching, but my big passion is like, this isn't just for executives. This is for managers, this is for directors, this is for new hires. These are for, you know, stay-at-home moms that mm. maybe don't think that they deserve a coach to get them to run a 5K. It's a fundamental relationship process. You don't have to qualify by any special parameters in order to qualify to work with a coach. And, you know, I hear the term, the person is coachable or not coachable. What must the the client do to, to, um, to move forward in the coaching? They have to be ready to get uncomfortable. Mm. They have to be ready to do the work. Coaches don't do the work for you. I think when people say, you know, such and such person is uncoachable, it simply means that maybe they were looking for somebody to provide an answer. A coach will not tell you the answer. A coach will give you guidance, but you have to do the work. If somebody isn't ready to do the work, coaching probably won't help them. Mm. And that's okay. I think timing is a big factor when it comes to being ready to be coached. You know, I, re I remember, I don't know who's, who told me, but the difference between a coach and a therapist, a therapist kind of goes backwards and a coach goes forward. Yes. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Big difference. Big difference. Yes. And it's not to say that as a coach, you can't examine past experiences, but you don't stay time there right. or spend time there. Rather, you really are focused on the now and the future state.
to grow and develop into that future state. You know, I, uh, both my daughters played soccer and, uh, you know, I, I did coach them. Uh, and you know, they got to a certain point where they didn't want to play anymore. And I said, excellent. What are you going to substitute it with? You know, I guess we should mention just briefly about some of the parents who, you know, think their child is going to be professional and they're helicoptering and these kinds of things. And it's not a good thing, obviously, but you know, as I coached, um, these young female athletes, I, I found it incredibly rewarding uh, the only problem I had was, a you know, one or two parents, uh, you know, that would again, kind of think that, uh, you know, and there was mechanisms to deal with that. You know, like I remember one team meeting, one of the, one of the parents said, you know, uh, something like, uh, you know, what are we going to do? We, we don't do corner kicks well at all. What are we going to do about that? And I said, Oh, that, I'm so glad you said that. You are now in charge of the corner kicks. You're going to come to practice with us, and for 15 minutes, you get so you, you start. So there's mechanisms which you can kind of rule that out. When you coach, do other people get involved? That can be sometimes a negative or a positive influence around your client. Does that ever happen? Um, I mean, that has happened from partners. Um, but really it's, I think it's a part of coaching is understanding the environment that that mm. client is in mm. and their environment is at work, at home, social, all of that is super important because make no mistake. I mean, an hour ish a week, you know, it's nothing compared to the 99.9% .9 of the time, all the other mm. out of the 23 hours a day that they're mm. in that environment. So it's just really important to be mindful and then really to start asking questions to gain insights like, hey, is your environment helping you? Is it hurting you? Is mm. it facilitating you in the way that leads towards your goals? If yes, how can we support it? If no, how can we change it? And when is when do you end the coaching? When do, when are, is there a completion? Well, that's a great question. So with my athletes, oftentimes it's physical fitness. So the goal kind of changes based on interest or availability. Um, with professional coaching or leadership development, uh, oftentimes a, a relationship can end, but then I always hold space, right? Mm. So I don't like to have anybody on very long-term contracts. I'm always serving the client. So I actually think it's healthy for somebody to kind of have intermittent coaching, right? To kind of get coached up oh. for three months, six months, maybe 12 months, and then to step away and put it into practice, kind of flourish on your own. And then to have that awareness and that self-recognition to know like, oof, I need some support here. I need somebody to help me find my insights. I need some, uh, some guidance from somebody to help me pull out the answers that I know are stuck in me. And then to bring a coach on for three months, for six months, for nine months. Mm. So it's not an all or nothing. It's not a forever like diagnosis, for lack of a better word. It's an asset. It's a supplement. It's a tool. And once somebody is able to understand, you know, the tools in their toolbox and maybe keep a coach in their toolbox, then it's a really beautiful way to be able to utilize a skill set to help you develop along life. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Before I asked you, Holly, what motivates you and you eloquently, eloquently described, you know, helping others and 
the, the follow-up would be, how do you measure success? And you kind of mentioned when people excel, when you see them benefit from that, yeah. how, how do you actually measure that? How do you know when that's happened? <laughs> I mean, I'm smiling because like, they'll tell me, um, uh, I, you know, I know this sounds like braggadocious and I don't mean it that way, but like when somebody says I couldn't have done this without you mm. or, you know, that I'm such a important person in their life that I've been able to help provide these experiences, these memories for them. Um, there's nothing more special, more powerful, more motivating for me than that. And also when I see somebody get the promotion, you know, maybe go for that better get out of the, the dead end relationship that wasn't serving mm. them. When I start to see people start to take ownership and choice in their life, again, coming back to that power of recognizing that we have choices. Once I start to see somebody step into their power and make choices and decisions that set them on their path, that live in a line that are in alignment with their true selves, that's them speaking Boy. for themselves, right? Like that's success. That's when they start is. to have it work, then it mm. it works. There, there's no, mm, I was going to say no greater, but it's a wonderful just feeling knowing that when I had even a half a percent of, you know, uh, involvement in a friend's colleague's success, it's just wonderfully rewarding because it comes back. You know, you just... The old yeah. adage, you got to give to get. It's just, it's just so true. It just, it just yeah. comes back and it's very rewarding. And yeah, when you see somebody start to have confidence, flourish, yeah. everything changes for them. And I mean, like, can you measure confidence? Well, sure. I'm sure there's a, a diagnostic tool, mm. something reliable and valid out there. Um, and make no mistake, we can definitely use assessments to measure progress. Um, just like sets and reps in the gym, right? Just like a 5k time or a heart rate threshold, we can measure progress. But oftentimes, the best way to, to see it is just to see when somebody's growing when somebody mm. is starting to live in that sage mindset, when they lean into that wise mind. Um, you can just tell it radiates from them. It's, it's awesome. It does. It, it, they start dressing a little better. They start smiling a little bit more. I mean, I, I've had friends that have been successfully coached and it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. They just become a better person to be around. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it, yeah. uh, and you know, the, the initial question is what can I do to help whatever's happening? You know, uh, you know, what, what, how can I, you know, how can I assist? And, uh, it's uh, it's it's wonderful, Holly. Thank you so much for your time today. I was thank so excited. You. I was so excited yeah. when you accepted this. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. So, if in, people are interested in learning more, uh, my website is metaperformance.com, and that is my website where I work with uh, firms, organizations directly, one-on-one -on -one coaching. I also do facilitation. Um, and if anybody is an athlete and they're looking to get coached up for something specific in athletic terms, that's metaendurance.com. And meta, like you said, is, is M-E-T-T-A. Correct. Two T's. -E -T -T two T's. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, performance. And, uh, 
Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, if I'm ever in the, uh, you know, near uh, Philadelphia, perhaps we'll get mm -hmm. a, we'll drink some, uh, some uh, f healthy water and maybe go for a little run. That sounds great. You can teach <laughs> me how to be less bad at golf. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Oh, uh, I'm going to say something. You might be surprised here. I recommend not starting playing golf. People are going to be <laughs> upset about that. Uh, it's it's it gets you by the neck, and you got to you know it's uh, it's terribly addicting. Holly, you be well. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pin's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversations.